We're going to continue. We've been going on our Thursday men's lunch. We've been going through 1 Peter. Uh, we're going to come and close out the fourth chapter today. We're going to head to the last chapter, the fifth chapter next time. Uh, but we've been going verse by verse through 1 Peter, a letter that is written to people. And I think about this, the broad picture of the letter. It's a letter written to people who are suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Now think about that. They are suffering for the fact that they have followed Jesus Christ as their Lord. That is why they're suffering, not for something they've done, not for some sin that they've committed. They're suffering for their faith, their, their allegiance to Jesus Christ as the Lord of their life. Now, and I want you to also see it's not just some small amount of suffering. It's not some token amount of suffering, not some light thing. Uh, these are gut-wrenching things that are happening in the life of these believers. This is intense suffering. We read and, and we see it here in First Peter. We also hear Paul talk about it. Jesus talks about it. Uh, these folks are rejected because of their stance for Jesus Christ. They are being abandoned because of their friends, because by their friends, by their, by their families, by their communities. They're being abandoned. They're, they're not only that, being abandoned, they're being slandered, they're being torn down. Uh, they're being beaten physically. Uh, they're being dragged out and beaten physically. Some of them have been killed for the cause of Jesus Christ. And so, so Peter writes this letter to explain why this is. Now that doesn't seem to make sense. Hey, I've put my faith in Jesus Christ. This, this shouldn't be the outcome. And so he writes the letter to explain why this is, and really more than that, how to live in it. If this is the reality, if this is what it's going to be like, he's telling them this is how you're going to live as a Christian who is enduring suffering for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, I want us to think about today. Think about where we sit today in 2017. Let me ask the question today. Today, what about suffering? You ever think about that? What, what about suffering today? Why, why does God allow suffering? Does he allow suffering? That, some might want to talk about that. Does he allow suffering? If he does allow suffering, why would he allow it? And why wouldn't he stop it? Uh, I think about that, that just, that just makes sense. Here, here are people who are following Jesus Christ. And I mean, they're really trying to follow Jesus Christ. They're really taking up the cause and they're really committed to their relationship with Jesus Christ. And now they're caught in the midst of this suffering. Well, why not get it off of them? Wouldn't that be a better thing? Wouldn't there be a better outcome? Here's, here's somebody who's going to follow Jesus Christ. Why doesn't God say, well, let me get the suffering off of them. Let me, let me give them some ease in their life. Just yesterday, to think about how pertinent this is, uh, just yesterday, two different people uh, asked me, what about suffering? What about suffering? Gut-wrenching things are going on. Why does God allow suffering? Well, today in our verses, as we close out this fourth chapter, I believe we're going to see it. And, and today, uh, Peter is going to address that topic. Now, uh, let me just say this, and I, and I said it last week, but let me just start off and say this. I think it's a distinction we need to make very clearly at the front. Be sure and understand this. Not all suffering is the same. Do you understand that? Not all suffering is the same. And, and sometimes, in fact, I want to tell you, I believe a lot of times we suffer because we've brought it upon ourselves. We're the issue. We're, we're the problem. And you, and you think about that. We mess up. 
We make wrong choices. We make sinful choices in our life. We go against what God has taught us in his word. And when we do those things, there are consequences. In those consequences, we suffer. And so understand, there's times I make dumb decisions. I make sinful decisions. I do what God has not directed me or, or outside of what he's directed me. And because of that, there's suffering in my life. Well, that's not the suffering it's talking about here. Now, let me, let me just tell you something about that type of suffering. There is a remedy for that type of suffering. And I didn't want to move on without giving the remedy for that type of suffering. The remedy for that type of suffering is this, to repent, which just means this, to turn around, to put your eyes on Christ, to say, Lord, I'm, I'm going to draw a line behind me and I'm going to live moving forward under the direction of what God has said in his word. God, forgive me for where I've made these mistakes. You know what the Bible says God does when we do that? He forgives us. He restores us. He renews us. And that type of suffering, again, we may have brought it upon ourselves, but even God will take that type of suffering and he'll use it to point to our hope that we have in Jesus Christ, to bring us to forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And so that's that type of suffering. But this suffering that he's talking about today, this suffering is for the cause of Christ. If you remember, verse 16 says, if anyone suffers as a Christian, if anyone is suffering because of the name of Jesus Christ. Now what that means is, it's, 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 the, it's the point when you put your faith in Christ and you take up the cause of Jesus Christ. And because you have done that, the world hates you. Because you've done that, Satan has marked you. Because, because you've done that, people slander you and people talk about you and they, they want to pull you down. And it's all because of your commitment to Jesus Christ. Now, I want to tell you, maybe that's even harder for me to understand. Why would God allow that? Here's a person committed to Jesus Christ, and they're, they've taken up the cause, and they're committed. Why not remove that? Why would God allow that type of suffering? Well, I believe we're going to see very clearly here in our verses. 1 Peter chapter 4, today we're moving to the 17th verse. Again, the last three verses of the chapter. 1 Peter chapter 4, the 17th verse, it says this. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Listen to the first part of that verse. For it is time for judgment to begin with the household of God. This is a big deal. Listen very carefully. We're going to break this down. It starts off and it says, for it is time. That translates, that means this is the season. That's what it means. For this is the time. This is the season. It means the time has begun and the time is upon us. It is the time. It is the season. So for it is time. It is the season. The next part says for judgment to begin. For judgment to to begin. Now, the word judgment here is a judicial term. What judgment means, it is the process that brings a decision on somebody's actions, very specifically on their sins. Uh, you go to the court, you've done something wrong, there's going to be a judgment. It is the process that brings a decision on your actions, a decision very specifically on your sins. 
And that's what it's talking about. You know what? Here's a time, and, and you're going to be judged, and, and there's going to be a decision made according to the actions that you have done. And so it's saying here, it is time for judgment. Then, then it goes on and it says this, with the household of God. Now, be sure and get that. It is talking about believers, the household of God. It is talking about those who put their faith in Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit of God lives inside of them. Very simply, it means this. It is talking about the church. It is talking about the church. And so it says this, the time is here. We're in the season for judgment to be administered in the church. Listen to that. That's what it says. The time is here. We are, we are in the season for judgment to be administered in the church. All right, that's what it says, but this is how I've heard that. And maybe you've heard it the same way. People will say, and maybe it's a preacher who says it, maybe it's somebody else, but they'll say, judgment begins in the church. And they'll read that verse. Judgment begins in the church, and we need, we need to clean out the church we need to clean up the church and we need to stop judging the lost world and we need to start judging the church and we need a cleaning up in the church. You ever heard that? I've heard people say, you know what, the judgment begins in the church and it's time to, to clean up this mess that's in the church. And that's what they say that verse means. I want to tell you, there's a lot of people who've been roughed up in the church because of some pious people who are shaking their heads saying judgment begins in the household of God. That's not what the verse means. Remember what it is saying. Remember the context. What, what the letter is saying is this. You are suffering, listen, and if you are suffering as a Christian in the church, and if you are suffering in the, in, as a Christian, do not be ashamed but glorify God. That's what verse 16 says. And then the next verse says, verse 17, for it is time for judgment to begin in the household of God. Listen to me very carefully. The agent of judgment is this suffering. Listen, it means this. It is this season of suffering. It is this time of suffering that cleans up the church of Jesus Christ. This suffering is the fire that refines. This suffering is the fire that removes the impurity. This suffering, this season of suffering, is what purifies the church. Now I want you to think about what that looks like. What that means practically is this. And maybe you've been there. Maybe you haven't, but maybe you're headed there. Maybe you've been there. When it gets bad, and I mean you've taken up the cause of Jesus Christ and you've committed to his cause and you're going to stand upon the truth of his gospel and you're going to stand on it in your home and in your house and in your marriage and you're going to stand on it in your workplace and you're going to proclaim it where you go. You've taken a stand for Jesus Christ. But when it gets bad and when it gets tough and when it gets gut-wrenching and when you can't breathe anymore, you know what you've got to do? You've got to turn to God. And when it gets tough, you know what you got to do? You got to turn back to God's word. 
And when it gets tough, you got to have the encouragement of Christian brothers and sisters. And when the, when, the, when the stuff hits and when it's tough and when it's terrible, you've got to put your eyes on God and you've got to hear from God and his word and you've got to be encouraged by Christians. And I want to tell you this, and all of the bullcorn of the past can go away. Doesn't matter anymore. Those things are gone. And in that, the church is strengthened. Now be sure of this. For the household of God, the goal is always restoration. The goal is always resolve building. The goal of the suffering, the goal of the judgment is priority setting, that the church would say, you know what, this is the priority. This is what matters. This was what can endure. The goal is always restoration. The goal for Christians is never damnation. The goal for Christians is never condemnation. See, some folks take that verse and say, you know what, be damned with that person. Look at their actions. Look what they do. There's condemnation for that person. That's not for the household of God. Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for he who's in Christ Jesus. The goal is not damnation. The goal is not condemnation. The goal is the building up and the cleaning out of the church. It happens in times of suffering. But why? I kind of get to that point, but why? why? Why does that matter? Why not have the goal to put your faith in Christ and good things come? Great things come. Suffering to be removed. Have a time of ease in your life. Why why wouldn't God make that the goal? You know what? They understand they're sinners. They put their faith in Jesus Christ. Why not make the goal to say, you know what? It's going to get easy for them. Listen to the rest of verse 17 and then verse 18. And if it begins with us first... What will be the outcome for those who do not obey the gospel of God? Listen. And if it is with difficulty that the righteous is saved, what will become of the godless man and the sinner? What that means is this. If it is this hard for the saved, if this judgment of suffering is this hard for the saved man, And I was thinking about that. Paul says in Acts 14, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. It's going to be hard for the saved man. If it's this hard for him, what of those who do not obey the gospel of God? That's what the Bible says. What for those that are lost outside of a relationship with Jesus Christ? What about the godless man of verse 18? Now hear me, listen to me. All of this, I'm going to tell you, I believe it's in this, in this hour for a reason. I believe it's in this day for a reason. I believe you're hearing this for a reason. Look at the earthquakes. Look at the hurricanes. Look at the wickedness of our world. Look at what's happening around us. I believe it's in this day and in this hour for a reason. Listen to me. All of this, the reason we're in 1 Peter, the reason we're in chapter 4 today, the reason he's talking about this today, the reason we will have gone through and endured suffering is this. All of this is preparing us to stand in the last days. Hear that again. All of this is preparing us to stand 
in the last days. All of this is preparing us to stand when everybody else is going to sit down. It's preparing us to speak when everybody else is going to go silent. It's preparing us to shout louder when the noise is drowning us out. All of this is preparing us to exist as the gospel carrier of Jesus Christ in the last days that we exist in. Because, listen, Jesus is coming again very soon. And on that day, the door will be shut. On that day, the books will be closed. On that day, God's forever judgment will be rendered. And listen to me, those outside of Jesus Christ, those who do not have a relationship with Christ, on that day will forever be Lost, And the verse is saying this, if you think this suffering is bad, if you think these days are bad, how about a godless man who's not saved, who stands under the wrath of a righteous God? That is why he cleans up the church. That is why he refines us with fire. That is why we endure suffering. Because the cost of failing, the cost of stopping, the cost of going silent is way too high. Sometimes we forget. And sometimes we come to the book of Revelation and we read about the new heaven and the new earth. And a day when he's going to come and wipe every tear from their eye. And the former things will be passed away. And we look at that chapter. But I want to read you Revelation chapter 20 verses 14 and 15. It says this. And then death and Hades were thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death, the lake of fire. And if anyone's name was not found written in the book of life, he was thrown into the lake of fire. Listen to me. The reason we're urgent, the reason he's building a resolve in us, the reason he's taking away what can't stand in our life is because we know the remedy for that. Faith in Jesus Christ. Last verse of the chapter says this, listen. Therefore, those also who suffer, wow, according to the will of God, shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. Therefore, those who suffer according to the will of God, he's in control, shall entrust their souls to a faithful creator in doing what is right. And what that verse means is, therefore, we trust God. We trust God to take our suffering and to build us up in it. We trust God to take our suffering and to mold us to be a servant of, of great use for him. We trust him to take our, our suffering and to purify our lives in it. We, we trust him to take our suffering and to use it to reach those who he loves, to reach those that he has died for on the cross of Calvary, to reach those that he has redeemed through his blood. And he, he empowers us and he shapes us and he builds us in suffering that they would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And all of it, is for his glory. You know what the Bible says to those who are suffering? It says this. Lift your head up. You have a faithful creator. He's on his throne today. He reigns today. And nothing goes through his hand that he doesn't shape and he doesn't use. And this is going to be used for his purpose. He's building men who will endure and stand in the last days. Why shouldn't it be us? 
Why wouldn't it be us? God, use my mouth, use our mouths to lead people to Jesus Christ in these days. Glad you're here. I'm going to ask if you'll stand. I'll lead us in a word of prayer. We'll be dismissed. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come today. I'm thankful for you. I'm thankful for, for me and for us that you forgive us, that you restore us, that you renew us, that you remove our sins from us. I'm thankful that we are saved by faith in Jesus Christ and not of any work of our own. I'm thankful that as we are saved, we become the righteousness of Christ. I'm thankful that as we've been saved, we've become restored. It's like we never left and you welcome us back home. But I also know that you have saved us and you've redeemed us, but you've also commissioned us. And in an age that that very quickly is turning wicked, in a very age that's leading people to the depths of hell, you've called men to stand and to endure and to point people to Jesus Christ. Help us be those men. Lord, help us be those men. Help us be those people. We love you. We praise you. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.